0: Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or HyperClean Specialists on Facebook, which is where today's episode's coming from. It's another Ask Me Anything that's become a really popular episode. And the only way to participate or ask a question is to be in the specialist group. We put a post up when one of these episodes is going to drop during the week. People fill in the post with their questions. And we have a lot of fun with this. So it's one I've come to enjoy a lot. So let's get started. From Tyler, what are your favorite marketing strategies for top income earners, aside from word of mouth or networking? Truth is, most top income earners are not going to find you from Google or making a great TikTok video, or doing great content. That's just the facts of it. Now, we're talking about the top of the top income earners. You may get some upper middle class or middle class, but when you're talking about that elite where you would get into that wealth, rich, you're not going to get that from online usually. Sometimes you can get some here and there. You're not going to get most of them from there. They do work off word of mouth. But let's go with some ideas. Talk to high-level insurance agents, people that deal in high-end homes, high-end cars, they're all over your city. Go start building relationships with those kinds of people. Uh, Go to high-end lawyers. If you get in with a high-end lawyer, they have high-end clients. So there's a couple little places to look. I would really, really suggest to people to start looking at high-end service providers or product people like insurance that deal with the high end and start developing relationships, high end real estate agents. That is the best way. That is the only way. And then it is going to be word of mouth and you're going to find you'll get more high end customers. Once you kind of break through, unfortunately people can tell you what you, what they want. You're never going to get guys worth, you know, 50, a hundred million dollars, top, top, top of the top by, you know, advertising on Google. You're gonna get some people with some money, but you're not gonna get that top income earner. Uh, Just the way it goes. From Nate, how did you get into evaluating higher end sports cars? What is your retainer fee to see the sale all the way through? Our retainer fee is going to depend on everything we need to do. If we're just running some paperwork, wiring some money, it's a pretty low, it could could start at 500. It can go all the way up to five figures, 10,000 or more. If we're having to locate a car, Work through brokerage, work overseas, just depends on what kind of work we're putting into that exact car. And the way I got into it is, I never had a plan for it. I was just into watching the values of cars all the way back to 2000. Uh, I would create spreadsheets when nobody really had their results online, so I'd get printed out paperwork. I would get, I'd go into the magazines that covered auctions, and I would, I would put into an Excel spreadsheet all of the sales that happened in different auctions. And then I could start building a formula of what I was seeing in the market over all the auctions throughout the year. We still keep something like that today. Now, it really is more muscle memory for me, but the way you get to evaluate higher end sports cars is you're gonna have to start doing some business and prove to people you have a strategy. I I bought an E39 M5, which was my biggest flip ever. I bought a uh, a Corvette for very low money. Nobody ever makes money on Corvettes, to be completely honest with you. Maybe two models in the history of Corvette are worth anything at all uh, up until recently when we had the crazy COVID stuff. But the reality is I made a ton of money on that. Somebody was in trouble. So you're going to have to start flipping some cars yourself. You're going to have to put your money where your mouth is at some point because you got to be able to prove to people you can understand the market and the way rich people work is did you put your money where your mouth is so uh you got it you got to get out into the real world i've always flipped cars i've always you know bought cars even when i was working at another detailing company i would buy cars refurbish them you know do engine work to them whatever i had to do to flip them and try to make some money on them so you got to start somewhere but you actually got to be into doing it there's a lot of people that think they're car guys there's very few car guys there's a bunch of brand guys like if you just love Dodge or you just love Ford or you just love Ferrari or you're just a Porsche guy, you're not a car guy in my book not one that can make money at it because you can't have brand loyalty. you got to just be able to evaluate what is good, what is not, what is worth owning, what is not. That even goes for modern cars. a lot of people, You know, I tell, I've told this story before. I was telling everybody in my clients that were driving Escalades that Navigator was building the best large SUV. Once they started to understand, I was telling them the truth and started buying Navigators. They've never been happier. Escalade held the title for them for a long time. Navigators building a better one, buy the better one. Uh, Who cares that it's a Ford? Who cares that it's a Chevy? Buy the one, you know, along the line, cars are being built better by one manufacturer over the other. Uh, same goes with sports cars. There are times, I'll give you an example. I would always tell everybody, don't buy a 570S McLaren. You'd pay 250 for them, they'd be worth 125 when you got home. That was actually truly what was happening in that market. Or you can go buy this Aston Martin, which is a better driving experience, which is a better car, which looks better, which rides better, and everybody I told that to didn't listen and they hated owning their 570S. It's just a terrible car to drive around and it's filled with problems. It's just not a good car. And it was worth nothing five minutes after buying it. And that's that's just a true reality of what was happening. So you can't be brand loyal. Most people are not car guys. They're brand guys. And so if you have any inclination of you love something over something else and you're one of those guys and that's your thing, probably not going to work on evaluating cars. From Nick, business question. What's your sales process? Here's some context to his question beneath. Shop. Mainstream clients. We do a decent amount of coatings. We outsource PPF. We are 100% meta marketing at the moment and get our get organic Google leads too. Looking to add more commercial and dealer accounts. Need to either hire a dedicated salesperson or hire another detailer so I can go call on people myself. I don't hear a lot of other detail shops having a dedicated sales team or talk about their sales process at all, which makes me wonder if I'm missing something. You're not missing something. I handle all the sales for VR at this point. I always have. I could certainly understand bringing in a salesperson, but here's the deal. You need to hire another detailer and you need to go knock on some doors or what's likely the reality, you need to manage your day a little bit better, get better at time management, come in and work earlier so you can go out in the middle of the day and cut it up you know, and call on people a couple hours a day, every day, whatever you got to do to get yourself in front of people. Because remember, if you've never really done door-to-door knocking, and gone into dealerships and really worked on accounts, how are you gonna train your salesperson what you want them to do? It's not gonna happen. And so you need to get out there and do it yourself and you're always gonna make time for things that you wanna make time for. So look at your schedule. You should be hiring another detailer before a salesperson, but if you're just not comfortable with sales, salesperson may be the way to go. You're not missing anything. Most people don't have salespeople working for them because they do all the sales. Now that's good and bad, But the truth is you need to go knock on some doors yourself and you need to free up some time to go do that so you can understand if it's a viable option for you before you hire somebody because you won't know how to train them. From Manny, I'm thinking about jumping ship to full-time and go all-in instead of the part-time path I'm on now. I will be able to next year and want to take on your strategy of going out all day and selling if I don't have a job. That resonated with me. Can you share any takeaways and general strategy on this door-to-door method? How would you approach this strategy in 2023? Well, I think it would work better in 2023 because when I started it, a lot of people from a lot of different businesses were going door-to-door. So there was a lot of people from other industries calling on these individuals, and now everybody's scared to death to go and knock on a door. So I think it would be way more uh, a better strategy today than back then. It's simple. Go to places where people have money, country clubs. Go to – Law offices, go to dentist offices, go to doctors' offices, uh, go to big companies, and try to get in with executives by starting and working through the employee ranks, and and sooner or later they'll start mentioning you to their boss. So this is all about if you're going to put the work in or not. This really isn't about if it works; it's if you're going to put in the work. I have customers I've called on for ten years and never gotten any work out of yet. Every time I'm in the area, I stop. I'm always going to make a call on somebody. It's not a big deal. Uh so at the end of the day, man, it's gonna be a great strategy if you do it. It's not gonna work overnight, but if you did cold calls like this for five years straight, I guarantee you you'd be building yourself a pretty big business. And I got a lot of customer, or excuse me, we have a lot of customers at HyperClean that do a lot of work. If you talk to them, they're still making cold calls today. And they're building big businesses and they've built big businesses and they're on their way to building a bigger business by still cold calling and going door to door. It's absolutely viable. Most people just don't want to do the work. From Joey, I'm having trouble finding a local company to run my Facebook and Google ads. I was thinking that hiring someone local would be best so they know my audience. What are your thoughts on hiring a local company or do you have any pointers on how to find a decent company? Is it just trial and error kind of thing? Joey, this is a hot button issue, man. I'm not going to lie to you. This has caught on a lot of steam in the last two to three months for whatever reason. A lot of people seeing the economy change and people not getting the results they were promised. From website people to Google ads companies to, to uh, you know, meta ads people. This is just a hot button issue, man. This is going to be a trial and error thing. I think it'd be great if you could find a lo- local company that knows how to, to market to your area Can it happen? I'm sure it can. This is something I've said to a few of these individuals privately on some phone calls. This part of the industry, the word I'm looking for is not shady. That's not the right word. It's it's a very big gray area part of the world where these guys don't ever call out things. They don't ever discuss pricing. They don't ever say publicly the kind of money you really need to spend to make this kind of thing work. It's just really not a very black and white, here's some great information about this stuff. And it's frustrating to a lot of you. And the reason we've talked about this a few times on the podcast is, yeah, man, a lot of you guys have shared with me, unhappy with your website company, unhappy with your ad company, unhappy with this, unhappy with that in the, in the tech world. I don't know that it's going to get better. Because I don't think a lot of people in that world really want to tell the truth about what's going on. And it's the same thing you see in detailing. There's a reason you guys don't listen to most detailing podcasts or watch most detailing YouTube channels. It's all just kind of fluff. The reason you guys listen to us, in my opinion, and I could be wrong on this, but I think I'm pretty right, is we're going to give it to you straight, man. There's no reason to beat around the bush. The training thing in our industry is a disaster. Why are we all beating around the bush? But that's what tech people do. They know people are getting constantly ripped off and promised things that can't be delivered, and nobody talks about it in that world. You can go in Facebook groups and, 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 and different people's posts that are in all around this industry and in the tech world, and they don't seem to call out the nonsense. I don't understand that, and I've said that to them privately. But they also don't tell the truth about the kind of money this stuff costs, Okay. SEO is one thing, really running ads and getting results another. And, you know, you're going to have to spend bare minimum $2,500 a month, but most people having success are spending between five, 10, all the way up to $40,000, $50,000 a month on local ads. Wherever your budget is, make sure you're being realistic about it. I don't know that you're going to get a whole bunch for $2,500. Maybe you can, but everybody I've heard having success is spending $5,000 or more. That doesn't mean there's not a reason for you to start. But yeah, man, you're going to have to be okay with losing some money here. Trial and error and just dealing with the headache because I don't see it getting better. As all of this stuff has started to go down, what I've heard from a lot of people is my ad company was really great when everybody was spending money. Now it's time to really start bringing in high quality leads as, as the times get tougher. A lot of these people in the web world have not dealt with a downturn yet. They entered into the business after 2015, you know, after 2008, they, 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 they don't have any experience dealing with a tougher marketplace and they're not really forthcoming and telling the truth about how this thing works. So you got a lot of people in confusion for years. I never heard any, any massive complaints about these companies in the last two months alone. The unhappy, pissed-off phone calls I've received from all over the country dealing with all different types of companies, and every single company has taken a hit in their, the way they're perceived by their customers. Believe me on that. There's a lot of people that I think are going to have a real surprising 2024. I'll be shocked if we don't see a mass exodus from some of these website companies, some of these uh, ad companies, I think you have a lot of unhappy people. But yes, man, you can make this work. Certainly people make it work. And certainly there are good people doing it. It's very hard to find the good people. You have to know that going in. But doesn't mean you don't try. doesn't mean you don't do the trial and error thing. We all got to take some risk. From Daniel, we had an interesting conversation on the pub. I was hoping to hear your thoughts on my, on my question, so I'll ask it here. How does it take 10, 12, 20-plus hours to do a pain correction? Only reason he's asking is he's done these services, and I've perfected cars from the body shop with less than ideal repaint conditions, which the vehicle required a wet sand compound polish and then protection layer. It was wax and sealant back in the day because coatings didn't exist. The tool was a rotary machine. DA polishers didn't exist. So I just want to learn what is going into such a timely job. I can't wrap my head around it. That's the first part of his question. Oh, I don't really want to wade into this, Daniel, because paint correction has turned into a really, really, really bad thing in our industry. It's become a very ego-driven thing. People get pissed off when you give your opinion on it. People, you know, think they're right about everything. Look, man, I've done a lot of paint correction that takes more than 20 hours. I've done a lot of more paint correction that takes less than 10 hours. It just all dependent on somebody's skill level, somebody's process. And also, I'm going to say this. I've learned not to believe people when they tell me how long they spent on a car or on a truck. That's why I say I don't really want to wade into it. I don't want to call someone a liar. I don't want to say that I know. I don't know. I don't know what people are doing. And I got no idea why some people think it's like a badge of honor to do 20 hours of paint correction and apply a coating and they made a 1000 bucks. It's not very good money. I don't know. I know most people can't charge for 20-plus hours in paint correction, 10-plus hours in paint correction, and I'll tell you a little secret of the industry. Most guys who are great at sanding cars will say you can't monetize sanding cars. They're actually doing it to make things go quicker for them. A lot of things changed from paint systems. It was much easier, in my opinion, to cut paint on single stage paint. That's something the world you came from. It was much easier to finish down. In a lot of cases, not all, I understand. And the skill was different. A lot of guys don't reach for a rotary, so they can't do a speedy cut and they can't do a speedy finish because they don't know how, they haven't been taught. But this is something I'm just really tired of in the industry. This paint correction thing's gotten so out of control Everybody telling me they're doing you know, 7,000 hours of – correct. I don't know what to believe. And quite frankly, I don't give a shit because I, I know guys that are doing show-level cars for SEMA and show-level cars that are winning awards, and they are spending a lot of time. They're getting every nook and cranny, and they're really getting tight to the edges, and that shit takes time. They're taking trim pieces off and doing all this other stuff. I would say the average person should not be doing 10 plus hours of paint correction. Number one, because they probably don't have the skill, but if they're going over 10 hours, the likelihood is they have an inefficient process because nobody, very few people are able able to charge for 10, 20, 30 hour paint corrections. Bare minimum for me to pick up something like that would be a number that most people just aren't able to charge. So Can it happen? Yes. Have I been a part of it? Yes. Absolutely. In my career, show level cars, everyday paint correction should not be 10, 12, 20 hours. So it is what it is. You should get paid for what you can, you know, you should charge and run your business based on what you can get paid to do. I don't know what to believe with this stuff. A lot of it seems outrageous to me. I don't want to call people liars because I'm not in their shop. I'm not mobile with them, but I think a lot of it's just ego-driven, this and that. You got a long question about the fights. Uh, We got a lot of questions today. Championship fight between Strickland and and Izzy. Look, I'm surprised Strickland won because basically he struggled to make the weight. He's struggling to make 185. He had a struggle losing the last pound, which a lot of times is really tough on guys. He looked like he was going to pass out at the weigh-in. I I don't know if he's even going to be able to make 85 consistently after seeing this. Either he needs to get with a new nutrition coach or he's got to figure out how to move up to two hundred five, but he beat the brakes off Izzy. Just put on a show, and um, I don't think Izzy was right. I don't, I don't know, but he's lost two. Out, Izzy's lost two out of three, I believe. So I, I don't know what's. I mean, he's obviously a, a great middleweight, and he, he's he's cemented his legacy. But I am really curious what's going to happen here. It looks maybe he lost a step, or maybe he's just having trouble in training. Uh, but Strickland, I, I don't know if he can keep making eighty five unless he makes some big changes. So. How long he holds the belt, I don't know. And you ask about belt changes, and, and then there's all automatically a rematch. Yeah, man, you're going to put two superstars up against each other as many times as you can. You know, Strickland holds the belt. You're going to want to get Izzy back in there as fast as possible. That's where the rematches come from. It's all about selling tickets and running a business. And, you know, when you already have a known quantity, it's much easier to sell the rematch. And that's just what happens in boxing. When, you know, boxing actually has rematch clauses, Uh, again, some UFC matches do have that, but more less frequently. So yeah, 100% you're, they're just always going to be rematches from Bill. When using revive, do you like to start with a damp towel or spray the product onto the towel? I never use a damp towel unless I have a really beat up old interior where I'll use hot water, uh, and get my towel and make it easier to clean up. I, I, I don't, I really never do that. I always just spray a couple spritzes into the towel, then I spray onto the door or spray onto the seat. That's just what I do. I see far too many guys just spraying on their towel and having to scrub real hard. Put some extra product there on the door. Notice I didn't say spray it into the buttons, okay? Don't spray it all over the infotainment system. Don't spray it into electronic parts. But there's a responsible way to spray it. I get, I get plenty of stuff on the surface to help me clean up, especially if I have a beat-up interior. I hope that helps. Dale Blankenship. As you and Marshall discussed on today's podcast, people ask, what should I charge for? Far too many detailers don't know their numbers, so setting a price is like throwing darts in the dark. Things they don't consider, fixed costs, consumable costs, labor costs, equipment wear and tear, retirement, savings, and health insurance. As I've said, a great business person who's an average detailer will always be more profitable than the area's best detailer who struggles with the cost of sales 100% you would much rather be a great business owner and an average detailer than being a great detailer and a terrible business owner because one of those guys is going out of business i'll say this a million times on this podcast a lot of guys a lot of shops you think are elite at ppf elite at tint or elite at paint correction if you went and saw the work they were doing if you were one of these guys that called yourself an elite detailer you'd be like oh I could do that. They're not doing that high quality of work. No, they're doing enough quality and they're doing what they're being paid to do. They're running a business. Far too many detailers think that their first thing is being a detailer. The minute you start a business, you're no longer a detailer first. You're a business owner first and a detailer second. The two biggest things you said there that people struggle with, labor cost, retirement, savings, and health insurance. It costs a lot to be the boss. Guys just don't know that. And so they're always going to struggle because they don't know how much they actually need to charge to actually do all these things. You may look at a $5,000 job and say, wow, that PPF shop. If they're barely getting by, they're not able to pay high labor costs. They're not able to save for retirement. They're not able to put money in their business savings. They're not able to buy health insurance. They actually didn't charge enough. So at the end of the day, Dale, you didn't really have a question, but you had some comments there, and I appreciate it. From Brandon, have you ever used ceramic coating in an airbrush for honeycomb grills and hard-to-reach spots? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I did it very early on in my career. I hated it, and I never did it again. Seemingly, I would find little areas that some things would overspray on no matter how careful I am, and I tend to see that in a lot of shops that heavily spray rims or heavily spray spots on cars. They tell you it doesn't happen, but it absolutely happens. It's a viable option. Guys use it. I don't use it anymore. I'd rather just do things by hand and not get overspray in areas I didn't think I'd get it. From Billy, he's got a personal question here Who would you marry? Who would you F? Who would you kill? Margot Robbie, early 20s, pre crazy Britney Spears and Taylor Swift. Well, this is easy. I'm killing Britney Spears. I'm going with Margot Robbie with the F word and Taylor Swift is getting married because boy, that bank account is fat. So that's an easy one, Billy from Donald. Any words on subbing workout have a potential overspray situation that dusted 30 vehicles. My ties to the situation have the job coming my way. It's bid very high. So not worried about cutting the other guys, decent money for the help. More or less it started as six vehicles needed it and now has evolved into 30. This is all about if you can get the work done. If you're backed up on other work, and now that it's evolved into 30 cars, 30 vehicles, and you can't handle the work, you absolutely have to sub it out, get it in and out of your shop, hack up the money, move on with your day. Do I love subbing out work? No. Uh, At this point though, you may not have a choice. I don't know what your schedule looks like, but if this is gonna tear your schedule to shreds, and you're gonna piss off other clients, then you need to bring in some guys, get the work done, move on with your life, hack up some money, but yep, you got to sub it out if you're in that situation. If you're slow, do all 30 by yourself. So I only sub out if I'm in dire need of getting these cars out of the building. Brian, what's your thoughts on the current slowdown so many shops seem to be experiencing? Good question. Correction and coding, guys. Who have tried to make their living on thousands of dollars in packages are the first ones we saw hit early in the year, throughout the mid year, and are definitely getting crushed now. We saw signs of it from a few shops that that have been pretty arrogant in their areas, uh, according to some of their competition. Some younger guys, some older guys, they're starting to get hit pretty hard. And 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 look, it's really simple, guys. If PPFing your front end in your area is nineteen hundred dollars. Correcting and coding a car for 2500 most people are going to opt for the PPF, just the way it is. Most guys didn't diversify. Give Marty the credit. He was the first one to talk about it. I'll venture to say the whole industry in 2016, 2017, you should have been putting something like Uno on cars. You should have a diverse set of packages that when times get tough and you can't get that big dollar amount at that point in the economy – You should have these other things to fall back on that you've been developing the whole time. And many people didn't listen and didn't want to do it. They thought they were above it. And now, unfortunately, they're not going to be in business. Uh, So it is one of those things that we kind of look at in this industry. And those of us that have been around, we knew the guys who can get $2,500, but we also saw guys getting $2,500 that we knew this wasn't going to last. Those guys have been cut out of the business very quickly. Hell, some of them are at ceramic coating companies right now acting like trainers, It's what they're doing. They've already gone out of business. So if you haven't diversified your packages and nobody says you can't offer $2,500 packages, it's just when it's hard to eat on those packages as times get tough, you should have some other packages to fall on. So those are absolutely the guys we're seeing slow down. Certain PPF shops are slowing down. Certain tent shops have been pretty slow all year. Kind of is what it is. I think it's it's all going to come down to the business owner in the way that they've built their business. And I think that's what we see in detailing. From Thomas, do you have any book recommendations? Could be about success, business, et cetera. Yeah, I got one business book I would, I would tell you guys to read. Uh, it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. And basically what it walks you through is something in our world you see is you see a lot of detailers asking people what to price things. And then they price things exactly like the guy down the street. Well, that's called red ocean strategy. There's a bunch of sharks in this red part of the ocean that are hunting for the same fish. So your pricing should be different than everyone else. And let me give you an advice on price. You either want to be the lowest price or the highest priced in your market. Everybody in between gets killed. It's exactly what happens in every business across the world. Rolex does really well. So does Seiko. There you go right? Seiko makes a lot of watches, G-Shocks, hundred bucks, right? They make some decent watches. They make some low-priced watches. Rolex doesn't make any low-priced watches, right? AP doesn't make any low-priced watches. That's how these companies operate. So you need to find your way into the blue ocean of business and learn to do business in a way that makes things easier on yourself by doing business in a different way than you've been told. And they walk you through it systematically. The other thing on success in business listen to anything Warren Buffett says learn about money learn about index funds you know a lot of you guys could save 100 bucks a month into an index fund over the next 30 40 years you'd be a millionaire it's important uh, i know guys don't want to hear it on this kind of podcast but that's exactly what i would do learn how to invest in the S&P 500 passively put money in never look at it i don't care if it's 20 bucks a week it's going to go a long way in your life so Hope that helped. From Mason, if you lived in a cl- colder, snowy climate, what would be your mobile process? How would you convince customers that winter is still a great time to keep their vehicle maintained? First of all, I would tell everybody that would listen that winter is much harsher on your car than the sun in those places, and it's just a fact. I mean, the sun is harsh in the desert, not as harsh in these snowy places. So I would tell anybody that listened that you should take care of your car in the winter. And I would hammer it home and hammer it home and be my sales process all the time. I think people also need to realize something that, you know, there's going to be certain customers that always want their car clean and detailed. It's going to take you time to find enough of those people to sustain your business. Uh, My process for washing interiors, et cetera, I grew up in a colder climate. That's where I first started detailing cars. I always detailed inside during the winter. I don't think you have a process unless you do that. It gets below freezing out here in Las Vegas during the winter, believe it or not, and there's times that my guys have to pull every vehicle into the customer's garage, and we have to do a lot of more rinseless and waterless and that kind of thing. So at the end of the day, mobile process, if it's below freezing, man, I'm not doing a whole lot outside even here in Vegas when it gets below freezing. From Brian, is glass like Uno and can be reapplied to itself? Yes, it can as long as you don't have any contamination. So I would probably still clay the glass at the bare minimum. And also, for hyper-clean glass, folks, lay glass coatings from any company on the glass very thick. There's a lot of guys that struggle with glass coatings from any manufacturer because they're trying to lay a thin layer. Layer it up. Go ahead and lay a thick, thick layer. If you're using five drops, use 20 drops. Using 20 drops, use 30 drops. It's very affordable. You have a lot of pores in glass. You have a lot of things on glass that people don't think about. You need to get it soaking in there. Please put enough product on, but yes, it can be layered on itself. And by the way, one of the biggest windshield film manufacturers, a bunch of their installers, including us, uses our glass coating. Almost every other glass coating you try to put on that film fogs up that film permanently. We have a great glass coating and one of our best products we've ever developed. If you're not using it or you're not getting results, use it properly, you'll get the results. Ben, all of us here listen to the Pints and Polishing podcast to get better at detailing or just learning in general. Are there any other podcasts you yourself listen to regularly? Lex Friedman, Andrew Huberman, Peter Atia of course, some sports and comedy podcasts if I'm just trying to blow off some steam and have some entertainment. But Lex Friedman, I listen to podcasts to be educated on things I don't know very much about, not to learn about things I already know about. Uh, he is one of the smartest guys podcasting in the world. I mean, he's literally a genius. So I've enjoyed his podcast and he's made me think about AI and robotics and those kinds. Of, so I really do enjoy his podcast and he's he, he, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well. So he's not just a nerd. This dude's a, a bona fide badass too. And I like it. I've been, in, I've been listening to this guy, Sean Ryan, a little bit. Uh, he had this hacker on that, that, that is like hunting down uh, child predators on the internet. Go listen to that episode. I think it's Sean Ryan and it should say something about hacker. It's a couple episodes. I enjoyed uh, listening to this guy educate me as I now have a couple uh, young kids about what's going on on the internet. Plus he talks about all the devices and everything. That, that was pretty interesting. I bounce in out, in and out of Joe Rogan. I only listen to the stuff that sounds like it'd be interesting to me. I don't listen to every episode. Uh, Andrew Huber, Huberman and Peter Atia for health and wellness stuff, those are my guys. I like listening to them. I can't listen to every episode, but if something pertains to me or I think it might, I listen to them. So I hope those recommendations help. From Salmon, what are your suggestions for people in the business who have real harsh winters? Many are mobile and the business comes to a halt. Uh, If I was in a winter place, I'd be trying to find car wholesalers and dealerships, small and large, to do business with. Guys, you need to find volume, especially when you live in a a wintry climate. You need to find volume. If you own a detailing business, you need to find volume. At some point, if you want to grow doing one car a day and being patting yourself on the back like I see so many guys doing, it's a great starting point. But if you want to continue to grow your business, you're going to have to go from one cars to two, two to four, four to eight, eight to 16, et cetera, every day to continue to grow. So if I'm in a wintry climate, I would absolutely be trying to find local buy here, pay here, smaller dealerships, exotic dealerships. Anybody that I think is moving any types of cars during the winter, I would be doing business with them. I may even do some fleet work, things like that. If I'm in a wintry world, I'm going to try to figure out how to bring volume in. And and look, man, maybe 10 years down the road, you're going to have enough retail clients where it's not a big deal. You can sustain through the winter. If you don't have that now, man, you got to ask yourself where the volume is going to come from. Salman also asked, can we have hints of new products coming in? We got a couple... Really good tire dressings that we'll be releasing here very soon. Some things that guys will really love. We need to add them. Guys have been asking for them. We got some carpet stuff coming. We got a spray that's going to be coming out at the beginning of the year next year that I think is going to be one of the best products we've ever developed that we've been working on for a very long time. My guys have been using it for a very long time. We've we've had it out to testing to multiple of our big distributors. They love it. Uh, we got some things in the works, man, but we're not going to give away all the secrets, but we got some major things coming in 2024. But here in 2023, we're still going to have a few things here up our sleeves that are just going to add to the line and maybe help some guys out and some things they've been asking for and, uh, some things that are necessary to carry and build out. And, uh, look, man, building from, the ground up has been very tough. We haven't released as many products as we wanted to in 2023. I think you're going to see very rapidly we're going to start doing some more releases here and kind of filling out the product line and allowing you guys to, to use us as a one-stop shop. So I hope everybody enjoyed the episodes. These This has become one of my favorite things to do. I, I can't thank everyone enough for all the great questions, all the great thought they put into them. And you got to be a part of the specialist group to have a question read and answered during this type of podcast. We're going to keep doing them. Hope you guys enjoy them. Everybody have a great weekend.